It's time now for another Pinball Profile. I'm your host, Jeff Teolis. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com. Past episodes, all your subscription needs, everything right there on that website. You can also find our Facebook group. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Pinball Profile. And you can email us pinballprofile at gmail.com. Almost a year ago, I first met our next guest. I recently talked to him on my other little side project, Final Round Pinball Podcast, when he joined us for our Pinberg Challenge, representing all of Europe. It was pretty neat to have a bunch of North Americans, Australians, and this man from Oslo, Norway, joining us right now, IFPA Director for Norway, Morten Serbi-Skorgen. How are you, Morten? Hi, I am uh, I'm quite, uh, quite good under the circumstances. You know, with COVID and everything, um, but it's good. Well, I don't know what it's like there in Europe and certainly in Norway. Uh, I know what it's like here in North America and other parts of the world. How are the COVID restrictions? Well, we are uh, enforcing the uh, there's something called uh, the meter, like the social distancing. The government has been really clear on like stay one meter from each other, and they have uh, started to recommend wearing face masks in in certain situations, like public transport and the bars are also uh, closing at midnight but they are open they are open any capacity that they enforce i'm not 100 percent sure of the exact rulings there but they have to have uh, like uh, several meters i guess between the tables so it depends on the bar and they have to kind of yeah do some enforcement morton the reason i ask you about restrictions you being the ifpa director for norway with the IFPA right now suspended because of the pandemic, you are one of the people that vote on whether or not your country is ready to reopen. So is it safe to say right now Norway is not ready to reopen? My personal opinion is that it's not ready. And that is um, it's partially based on the, the physical nature of pinball. Like everyone is actually touching the same, you know, the same few centimeters with the buttons and the lock bars. And there's a lot of physical interaction. And also we are now in a period where uh, it's slightly under control. There are some small outbreaks in different parts of Norway at different times, but they managed to contain it quite quickly. And personally, I'm very cautious about opening up different elements in society too quickly just because it's it seems to be going okay. Because then suddenly you have uh, suddenly kind of boils over. So my in my opinion, it's uh, it's worth waiting a longer time and see how it goes. Do you need to see the numbers come down? Are you looking for a vaccine? I know that's what a lot of people are looking for. Well, the vaccine would be the best thing, of course. Then I think it's uh, probably safe to open IFPA again, the whole ranking system, but. Are you thinking about what would be required for me personally to kind of condone uh, IFPA in Norway? Sure, yeah. I think at the point, I think maybe I'm a bit more conservative than many other, uh, <laughs> some other countries. I would probably like to see a stable, like the situation being quite stable for a couple of months at least. What guidelines are you using? Would it be the WHO? I believe so. The Norwegian government reacted very quickly in March, when the corona started uh, appearing in different Nordic countries, so they went on total lockdown in, uh, I think it was the 12th of March, and that was a really, that was a really strange, some strange weeks. Like no one knew what was going on and what was going to happen, and people were kind of staying inside, and 
yeah, you got the feeling like, is there going to be a zombie outbreak or is it, you know, felt really serious. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, if uh, I saw zombies walking through the streets. I mean, that's how crazy 2020 has been so far. But it looks like Norway, uh, you know, is, is one of those many countries and along with many states and provinces that are really taking a look at what the stats are. And, and right now, we're just not ready to open up the IFPA. But I do want to talk about Norway. Let's forget the pandemic. Let's pretend it just doesn't exist. We're in a different time. We're in 2019. Ah, oh, sounds great. <laughs> Good year. <laughs> Good year. So what is pinball like in Norway? Tell me about, first of all, some of the players, some of the locations. How easy is it to get access to pinball? Because you're right beside Sweden there in Norway. And I know Sweden is a major pinball hotspot. Absolutely. I came in quite late into the hobby in uh, in 2014. And I was kind of... Uh, Pulled into a tournament. It was the first tournament at a barcade in Oslo called Tilt. It's a really cool place. And that was the first time the the organizer had a tournament. It was a knockout tournament. And from there on, it's kind of been growing really well. It's never been kind of dipping down again. It's just been a constant growth since 2014. And at that time, it was... I guess it was only... Uh, mostly an active scene in Oslo. And if you fast forward till yeah, 2019, then there are uh, several clubs in Oslo. There are pinball clubs in, in Bergen and Trondheim. And the cool thing is they have a really competitive focus, which I personally love. I mean, for me, competitive pinball is, is kind of, I guess, the reason why I'm playing pinball. And um, so it's been really growing. And uh, we are uh, very close, as you say, to Sweden. So there are uh, several times a year where uh, many players are going over to uh, a small city called Boros. Yeah, they have the Boros Pinball Open that's legendary in September. And then they even have the Classic Open, which you were fortunate enough to get to at the 1st of March. So right before all this outbreak. Yeah, oh, that was uh, <laughs> that was uh, really lucky. And also I... I Played quite well there. I, I racked up some whoppers and uh, left feeling, yeah, feeling good, which was a really uh, comfort now that the IFPA ranking system has been frozen, but the DK has not been frozen. Yeah, that's true. So you're getting those big points, and, and you got some good ones there at the end of February and March. Those are gold now. They're like worth so much as everything else decays. Yeah, but at the same time, the more points you have, the bigger percentage you lose. Well, I find if you play in a lot of different tournaments and have some other options, it's going to help you. And that's certainly the case with you. You have many active events, in fact, over 130. So that's uh, pretty impressive. Uh, so you're getting a lot of pinball out there. Yeah. You have a lot of different events that you have at your disposal for your IFPA card. So that will certainly help you. I know decay affects everyone, but when you have a lot of different events, I put my hand up. I'm one of those people too. It certainly helps you a little bit, especially <laughs> with the decay. Yeah. I, I uh, as mentioned, I'm, I'm very grateful for the uh, points I have. Of course, I've worked for it, but it's... Um it feels like, you know, it feels like you're losing more points than other people, but in reality, everybody's losing points. So, uh, in a way, I guess when the IFPA, the IFPA ranking is back up again, some things might be a bit more leveled for some players, but uh, I think that's, in the end, it's going, it's a positive thing. I mean, 
you'll just have to show that you're the best and uh, regain your points. Well, in Norway, you're almost the best. Right now, you're ranked second in your country. So being ranked second, the top two players from every country get an automatic invite into the IFPA World Championship, which was supposed to originally happen in May in Florida, then postponed to November, now to be determined in 2020. You have qualified for that. Is that something that you would be going to? Oh, yeah. That, that's a sad story. But... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, this summer I was um, I was planning to have a real pinball summer. I was going to Fulda. In Germany. In Germany, yeah. I was going for the pinball Olympics, for the whole uh, pinball party there. Mm-hmm. It's like five, six days. And then it would finish on Sunday. And on Monday, I would travel directly from Frankfurt and all over to Florida. Wow. And have a couple of days in the in the sun. And then the, uh, the IFPA World Championships. But uh, guess what? Yeah. COVID happened. <laughs> but yeah, I'm definitely going there uh, next year. Good. Fingers crossed. So am I. And it'll be a lot of fun because uh, that world championship is a real treat. I had a real good world experience seeing a lot of different countries at another event. And it was almost a year ago when I first met you in Denmark. It was right before the EPC, a wonderful event at the Pin Lab. I put on this little pinball profile world tour event and we were in the flipper kaylarden basement it was pretty crammed you know i didn't want to say no to anyone because you know everyone's coming in <laughs> from different countries so it got a little nutty there i mean we had a lot of people and a lot of different representation but that was a lot of fun seeing that location seeing all those different players from all kinds of different countries that was a lot of fun and and i actually changed my flight from Friday to Thursday to be able to participate in that event. And uh, also, I'm, I'm quite used to you know some pinball tournaments being held in very close quarters. You can't really have an intimacy problem. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but that's that's cool. And uh, the great thing with that um, location, Flipperkellern, I think it was called. Yep. Uh, they have a lot of different machines, a bit like... Uh, my club in, in Oslo, or the club I'm in, in Oslo, have um, a good variety of Paul Williams and Stern and Gottlieb and some, you know, older 80s machines. And it's, uh, I really like the diversity. Yeah. Peter Anderson, Saren, those guys uh, run that Flipper K. Larden. It was nice to see the variety of games. But you mentioned your pinball club. Tell us about your club in Oslo. Yeah. Uh, currently... The club I am um, sharing with five other uh, wonderful individuals is uh, is located very close to the cent- center of Oslo, like 50 minutes with the metro. And we uh, we're called Christiania Flipperselskap. That would translate to like Christiania, which is the old name for Oslo, Christiania Flipper Company. But yeah, we just moved to a new location. Which is lying in the basement of uh, Andro Mall, so it's uh, it's really close to you know shops and, and restaurants, and there we have uh, 130 square meters to our disposal. Okay, that's good space. So uh, again, you talked about the different variety of games, but with the pandemic going on, is that closed right now? Is it uh, limited people? What are the options that you can do with the pinball club? And how do people contribute to that? Is it a monthly sponsorship? Is it a league fee? How does it work? In 2015, 
I was part in establishing uh, a, a pinball club in, in Oslo that was called uh, Oslo Pinball Club. It was a really great place for you know having tournaments and events and uh, a place to you know place to hang, meet up and drink some beer and play pinball. But at, uh, after several years, it was a minority of us who I would say we supplied kind of most, the majority of the machines there. We kind of wanted something different. Uh, let's call it uh, just different philosophy. We wanted a bit more uh, private thing where uh, it's a kind of closed club where we have our machines, but uh, it's open for the public when we have events and uh, tournaments. So uh, the whole idea of our club is basically being a small core of good friends and having uh, you know tournaments and also uh, hopefully when when this whole pandemic uh, settles down uh, we'll have some uh, you know rent it out to uh, companies and other interested parties and also it was very important for us when choosing a new location that we were able to take the uh, the rent and the economical aspect without depending on having tournaments and events so uh, so in that regard we've kind of secured us a bit against uh, being uh, in economic danger due to external circumstances. Okay. But we have, I mean, the plan for, we had grand plans for this year for uh, lots of tournaments. And also, we were actually, in March, I was planning to have a, a memorial tournament for my late wife. And everything was kind of lining up perfectly because her birthday was the 14th of March. And we were like, oh yeah, that's a it's on a Saturday. That's a perfect day for a tournament. Let's make it into a you know a, a weekend tournament with like four tournaments. And I bought in in really nice trophies and and really kind of themed it up for being a memorial tournament. And then it it gets closer and closer to the tournament, and, and we realize oh, something weird is going on in the world. And we yeah, apparently we we took the decision a couple of days before to cancel it because of COVID and felt wrong to still arrange a tournament when we had no idea of how serious this pandemic was but it was uh, it was really a difficult decision to uh, to cancel it i i can only imagine but hopefully it's not canceled and just postponed to a later date when we are in safer times but you did mention your wife sandra it's been a couple of years since she passed away a young woman 31 years old and sadly uh, taken due to complications from a brain tumor. This is something that Sandra dealt with for for a few years, and uh, I guess the first diagnosis from what you were telling me was about five years ago in 2015? It was uh, closely. It was uh, August 2014 when she was uh, diagnosed with brain cancer. Well, I met her in 2010 in Oslo. She was from Austria, and she had uh, an uh, exchange year in Oslo as a student. And uh, yeah, we met, we got along, we fell in love and chose to, you know, commit to each other. So we had a two-year long-distance relationship where she finished her studies back in Austria. And she always wanted to go back to Norway, and the plan was for her to move here after her studies, which she did. And we lived together in Oslo, and two years after she moved here, she was diagnosed with this, uh, this horrible disease. Yeah. Um, but the... The surgery went very well, but unfortunately, it was a malignant tumor and uh, kind of the most aggressive one. And she got the chemo treatment after that. 
and luckily she responded well to that first treatment and it was uh, was staying you know it was stable all until 2017 when she had a relapse and uh, followed by another round of chemo again but unfortunately it didn't work this time around i've only known a few people who have gone through the horrors of having a brain tumor and brain cancer and it's just the aggressiveness as you described is unbelievable and i unfortunately didn't know your wife sandra but i can only imagine how your outlook on life is when you're given that diagnosis when you're given that outcome of what reality may be how you look at things each day is a lot different especially how precious time is yeah it is i i can only speak for myself of course but um I was just, uh, I'm working on a, on a solo project, a musical project, and I was actually recording some, some vocals today for a song. And part of that, uh, part, part of the lyrics is about when we're sitting at the pathologist of the results from the tumor, like how, what type it was. And it's really indescribable sitting there, and the doctor says that it's a grade four tumor, and the general life expectancy is two years. And yeah, I, I I only know how how I reacted, but I, I can't imagine how it is being the one who actually get that that information. <laughs> but um, we didn't talk too much about the fact of her life ending much earlier than it should be. But we we kind of chose to continue living with a, with a sense of normality in our lives. So she continued to work, you know, going back to work slowly. And I guess some people, they sell everything, they quit everything and just travel the world. But I believe we wanted a uh, yeah, a sense of normality. And we traveled a bit more than usual, I would, uh, would guess. And enjoyed some, you know, some extra restaurants each month. And, and really remembering, you know, being aware of the moment and aware of what you're spending energy on. But but luckily also, she was mostly in very fine all up until uh, March 2018. So I know so, some people suffering from cancer, they are really suffering, you know, for many years. But we, I would say we lived life as best as we could all the way until the end. And it was very, of course, it was very brutal in the end. But in the grand scheme of things, it was still, you know, a couple of months and I'm trying to keep on, you know, holding on to the seven years and 10 months, you know, which was great. A lot of people don't even have that. So that is one positive way of looking at that. You know, it's better to have had the years you had as opposed to never that wonderful experience with Sandra. So I love that you honor her memory, these tournaments you talked about. You talked about your music project. You've got Frail Grounds as your band, but you said your Death of Giants project is kind of a solo work and again a nice tribute yeah it's become very important for me to to bring on her bring on her memory i mean she meant so much to me and of course i'm i'm still here i'm managing to move on in my life or like continue living but she was always be a great you know big part of me and i want to if i can have a memorial tournament now and then and it makes people like oh who was she she had to mean a lot to you and you know, I want people just to be aware of it. And also, we also we traveled, you know, to, to many tournaments. Like me and her, and also uh, my, my one of my best friends, Tom Andre. We traveled to 
Austrian Pinball Open. That was uh, close to where she li- her family lives in Austria. And that's a great tournament. I mean, the whole mood in the tournament is fantastic. It's it's serious, but it's also very chill. And also we've been to, to the famous Boros mm-hmm. over several years. And also at the Dutch Pinball Masters in Netherlands. Yeah. That's been a great experience. And, uh, of course, when Norwegians go down the, to Netherlands and, uh, and Austria, for that sake, and, you know, you realize, realize how, um, how awesome beer they have and how cheap <laughs> beer they have. It's, I have played some tournaments quite hangover, I must admit. But, uh, I think we always focused on making these international tournament travels, making them memorable more than just the actual playing. It was all about the social part and the, the dinners and the good drinks and the playing, of course. And I think that's important. Well, you do a lot of playing. You can watch Morton on Twitch. Drain Morton. How fun is Twitch for you? Well, to, to be honest, I kind of invited some people and started the, the, the Drain Morton Facebook page as, uh, you know, mostly as a way for friends and family to kind of follow me and i can keep them updated with the pinball stuff i'm doing it's always fun with pinball stuff in your facebook feed i was planning on doing much more streaming actually before the summer because i had one one uh, game of thrones stream mm-hmm. and also i was part of the jack dangers iron maiden challenge it was uh, yeah <laughs> it was very chaotic but very funny but i, I guess after that uh, life kind of happened both work and and, and other stuff and suddenly it felt like everybody was streaming pinball. But what I like about that is we get to see so many different people like yourself. And because we're kind of trapped, if you will, in some ways with this pandemic, it was a way of really opening up and feeling like you were part of it. Just like doing this podcast with different people. Here I am talking to somebody in Norway, you know, even though I'm in Canada. And it's... uh, I enjoy seeing the different streams and different personalities. Yeah, and that's encouraging to hear. One aspect of uh, streaming, which I I, uh, I think I also missed, was the ability to kind of bring friends over and stream and have, you know, this, I, I love competition. Yeah. I, I need competition. I, I need the nerves and I need the being behind on ball three and needing to really work to get that multiple to be able to, you know, to beat the, my beat my friend or beat my uh, opponent. And just playing alone, I don't know, It's it was okay, but... I think now that hopefully the the pandemic is a bit, it's becoming a bit more safer to invite friends over, like not many, but, you know, one or two friends. That could be a very cool thing to stream because you get the competition and you get the the interaction. Sure. There are other options too. The ICR, which is a big part of IFPA, the challenge matches, those are interesting too. So there are Zoom calls that you can do where you can challenge people that way and, and get that kind of competitive bug to, you know, fill that need. You mentioned what you did with Jack Danger on the Iron Maiden Challenge. I mean, that was that was quite impressive as well. And I've had different people tell me how they are getting that competitive fix. And I started doing something. I had a guy named Howard Dobson on a program just a, a little while ago, and he kind of set up his own pin golf in a way, kind of almost like a solitaire pin golf competition thing where you basically try to better yourself one of the things i find i enjoy about going to tournaments when they will come back is when you're in a pump and dump or when you're in the old pop a ticket format so pick a bank of games let's say four games 
and you only get one crack at each of them and try to put up a good score and maybe or maybe it's an objective like pin golf and you just try to beat those you get that kind of pressure feeling again that you know we enjoy when we're playing competitive pinball even though you're by yourself it's still there so maybe some options for you and maybe when you get up and do some drain morton on twitch maybe some things you can consider yeah it's uh it's true. Uh, it, it's much uh, down to the, the creativity. I've listened to some of uh, many of the final round podcasts, and you and Marty has been talking about actually having like a physical versus digital tournament, like IC, ICR challenge. Someone's playing on Pinball FX or Pinball Arcade, and yeah, yep. and that's very creative and very cool that it's actually possible to do that. Personally, I, I think I'm a bit. I wouldn't say old school because I'm a bit too young for that, I guess. But <laughs> I mean. I like competitions to be, and, and I, I'm kind of overthinking the whole. I mean, ICR is about keeping pinball still fun and and keeping the interaction up in a crisis which we are in right now. But I, I'm very easily going into the you know like uh, each pinball machine has to be you know set up the same and it has to be the same for every player. Yeah, that's true when you're in an actual physical live competition. But we can't have that right now. But can you do this? With your own games, I know you mentioned Game of Thrones, you have KISS as well. Do you set your games up a little more difficult so that when you go to a competition, you're not surprised when they play a little tougher? Maybe rubbers are off or tilt settings are a little tighter <laughs> or ball saves are a little less. What do you do with oh, your Oh, my games? friends hate me and my club mates hate me, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I'm buying a new game or yeah, acquiring a new game. The first thing I'm doing is opening the outlanes, removing rubbers, tightening the tilt, removing ball save. But I, I need that in order to get the excitement. But, but the but problem is that, I mean, behind me now in my room here at home, I have like Game of Thrones Pro, Iron Maiden, and Walking Dead Premium. Okay, I, I made the, the wizard mode on Game of Thrones the day after I streamed it, actually. Ironically, but I mean, on Iron Maiden and, and Walking Dead, I haven't been close to the wizard mode because I'm not putting on extra balls, which is kind of stupid because it's my game. But I feel that the achievement of getting to the end mode is so much bigger when you know you've done it without any, you know, assists. Maybe I'm a bit damaged, tournament damaged when it comes to that, but I believe that the harder the machine is, the better you will be suited for actual tournaments. I agree completely. It's just during this pandemic, I've kind of, okay, I can't really go anywhere. So I have actually gone the other way and not really changed the tilts. Tilts I've kept the same, but as far as ball saves, extra balls, things like that, I've turned them back on just to see how deep I can get into games. So I know once we start opening up, I'm going to have to go back the other way, but it's just really to explore the depth of the games that I have. And I've, I've enjoyed it. It's fun. And also, you know, challenging myself not to be so much score-based, but really shot-based and trying to do other things as opposed to, you know, what's the best way to maximize the score. In a lot of games, there are one or two or three shots, and that's all you focus in on. Well, if you look at most playfields, there's probably seven, eight, nine shots. And how many competitive players ignore five or six <laughs> yeah. of them? I'm trying not to ignore them. So, and taking riskier shots. And anyway, we'll see how that 
turns out once we get back to competitive play, but you mentioned final round and, and different ways of playing. One thing we did on final round, and that's where we talked the last time, was we did the Pinburg Challenge. We couldn't have everyone together, certainly not a thousand people in Pittsburgh, but we put a bunch of people on that Pinburg Challenge, and you were the only person from Europe. And my goodness, it was like four in the morning, but you were a trooper. You were there to play, and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on for that. You know, that's what we're seeing a lot of people do, do kind of some trivia challenges on Kahoot or some of the other discords and, and things out there. We're finding ways to to certainly mingle virtually, if we can, and uh, kind of keep that pinball spirit alive. Is there any of that in Norway? Not as much I am not aware of uh, that much, actually. Now that the the bars started, you know, they were closed for a while, but now they have opened again. So I know uh, many of the players living in Oslo, they are starting to go out to tilt again and playing pinball, which is a good thing for, you know, for the business and keeping the place alive. But I haven't uh, seen much, you know, other activity besides that. I mean, we have... Currently, we're still in in the phase of moving into and getting our new club set up. So I'm spending more time at the club fixing my endless uh, row of machines not working. You know, there's always things to fix. And if not with the machines, then with the actual room, like lightning or tidying or everything. That's one thing we've decided to do here during this COVID-19 pandemic is learn other trades, if you will, learn other skills. And the one skill I need to learn a lot is any kind of electrical trades or any kind of ways of fixing some of these machines. So uh, we're starting some courses on that. And I don't know what your skill set is, but uh, it's kind of a must when you own pinball machines to know a little bit about electronics. (laughs) Yeah, that's totally true. My first machine, I bought that in 2014. After going back and forth a while, like, like, what game should I choose? And saving the money, I ended up buying, behold, a Sega Goldeneye. Oh, wow. Which, in my opinion, is a very underrated Sega machine. I agree. It's got modes, it's got multiball, it has a lot of flow and combos, and I really, I really like that game. One of the first things I had to do was uh, change the EEPROM to get the latest software, I was taking this screwdriver and trying to, you know, get the EEPROM out from its sockets, but I was very afraid of damaging the machines, so I really freaked out and posted some pins side like, ah, it's totally stuck, I'm never getting it out, what can I do? But, of course, it was just to actually use some a bit more force. But that's the great thing about Pinside is that you do get a lot of help there when you post on there. That's one of my favorite things about the forums. I know there's a lot of negativity and stuff, but not when it comes to game help and uh, information. Great resource. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've spent a lot of time on the EM forums which with my EM games. People there are so helpful. And also, got so I, it was a time I was struggling with my C-Ray. Have you played that one? C-Ray? I know Stingray. No, I don't know that one. Oh, it's, it's an amazing machine with uh, really cool artwork. Like, it's got depressed fishes all over. Yeah, it's, it's really uh, brutal and fantastic. But I got that machine. At, at the point, I gave up. So it was standing like one whole year in storage until I finally got uh, got the balls to actually post some Pinside and get some help. And it was a guy on Pinside called Howard. I don't remember more than that, but his name was Howard, and he offered to to call me on Skype. And I had this live Skype session with him while troubleshooting the machine. And in the end, we discovered that the problem was 
a motor score switch, 8D. It was a little bit out of adjustment, and that fixed everything. So that's wow. the beauty and the horror of electromechanical pinball machines. I would say it's it's right in front of you, but it's still you still need to <laughs> be able to troubleshoot to find the, that one switch. And you just gave a perfect example. I bet you somebody at home listening right now or in their cars going, I've got a machine that's been idle for a long time. I'm afraid to tackle it. Well, there's a good path on how to fix a, a pinball machine and keep it in the rotation and certainly get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Morton, I've really enjoyed talking to you, and I certainly wish the best to you and everybody in Norway. I look forward to seeing you at IFPA 17 when that happens, and uh, all the best to you and, and your countrymates. Thank you. It's uh, been a real pleasure being here on Pinball Profile, and uh, I'm sure we'll meet again as uh, very quickly after the pandemic is over or as soon as it's possible to play tournaments internationally again. Well, I certainly have to say Europe is my second favorite place, my home away from home and a place I love to go to. I have not been to Norway, haven't been to Sweden, so I might be looking for a tour guide in the near future once we're able to travel again. Yeah, absolutely. When you're coming to Oslo, I'll make sure to take you to our club and uh, we'll have some challenges and uh, I'll buy you some beer. And also we got to drop by Tilt, the barcade in Oslo, as mentioned. It's, uh, it's a real good experience. See, with an invite like that, how can I not show up in Norway in the near future? It's going to happen. Thank you very much, Morten. All the best to you, buddy. Thank you. Bye. This has been your Pinball Profile. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com. Check out our Facebook group as well. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Pinball Profile. And you can email us, pinballprofile at gmail.com. I'm Jeff Teolos. Mm-hmm.